Oh, hi. Welcome back to the Parkland Channel. My name is Marshall Huffman. I'm the program director here at Parkland College, and we're going to uh, do some cooking for you today. I have with me one of my best students, and his name is Chris Ely. And Chris, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm a student at Parkland. I've been uh, involved in kicking, or cooking for about 10, 12 years. Um, I'm from the area. Um, hopefully one day I might own my own restaurant here in the near future. And this is a great experience, and I really appreciate it. Well, I'm glad that we have you on today. Well, what we wanted to do today was we wanted to make sure uh, that in the last show, uh, we didn't cover, we wanted to make sure we covered all those rules again. We have very few rules, but they are essentially these. One is whatever we cook, it has to be simple. You have to be able to make it from start to finish in somewhere around 15 to 20 minutes. Second rule is you have to be able to buy these ingredients locally. If it, can, it doesn't do us any good to come up with recipes if you can't find these items in your local grocery store. And maybe the most important rule of all is your family has to be willing to eat it. We can come up with all kinds of things, but if your family doesn't eat it, you don't care. So that's really essentially all that we have to, that goes into making this show. Today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some pork items that we can do. Chris likes to experiment with rubs and different types of barbecue sauce. So I'm going to have Chris talk a little bit about why we do rubs and, and show us how you can make one if you don't want to use a store-bought one. Now there are a lot of store-bought ones out there, but making your own gives you a chance to tailor it to your particular family's taste. So we're going to have Chris give us some ideas on how to make a basic rub and then you can kind of modify it for your own use. Okay, Chris, a tell me what you're going to do here. A basic rub can be anything. It's just there to give it a little flavor, a little texture of the meat. Okay. Um, I like starting off with just a hard coarse salt. A little coarse salt, okay. A um, little black pepper, a little white pepper mixed together. And we use that coarse salt to give it a little more texture, right? Right. You okay. can use normal salt, just won't give it that much of a crunch to it. Sure, I understand that. Um, a little bit of thyme. A little bit of thyme. And we can vary these amounts, right? Oh, you, depending you, on flavor. If, if profile. you're a guy who really wants it really, really hot, you can mm -hmm. use a lot of hot uh, chili peppers, sure. chipotle seasoning, sure. anything you want. And that's the one of the big advantages of doing this in house or doing it yourself. A little oregano. And like I said, if you don't like some of these ingredients, you don't have to use them. I mean, a rub can be just salt and pepper, and you just rub it on there, no big deal. Okay. A little bit of garlic. So you just kind of go through that kitchen cabinet. And Clean Anything out everything you see in there. there. Yeah, a little paprika. And then, Some of those ones, spices that have been hidden back there in the back for a year. Get those out and use them. And okay. then this is my favorite, the cayenne pepper. Oh, yeah. A little bit will go a long way. That's uh, a long way there. And then you just want to get in there with your hands. Start mixing it up. Doesn't have to be, you don't need a fork or anything. Get your hands dirty. All right. Well, while you're doing that, why don't I get a piece of pork out here and we'll talk about it. Now, you can buy pork in all kinds of different ways at your local grocery store. If you are a large family, or even if you're not, and you want to have something on hand that is easy to prepare, pork is one of those things that you can do very easily. 
We, can, we buy ours in whole loins. You don't have to buy yours in a whole loin, but it works out really well because you can cut these into individual portions, double bag them, put them in your freezer, and then when you need something like that, you pop it out, defrost it, and you can have a meal in just a very few minutes. So what we had here was a whole loin, which was just a little bit large for us to handle. If you're going to use this as pork chops, well, these great make great center cut pork chops. You can see how nice and meaty they are and only just a little bit of fat on there. You can actually trim some of the fat back if you don't like that part of it. But if you're going to cook a roast, then you're probably going to want to look, you're probably going to want to leave some of the fat on. That's where the flavor is. You take all the fat off of any meat and you're going to find out that the flavor drops dramatically. So when we're going to do a roast, which is one of the things that he's going to use for this rub, I'm going to cut a small portion off here and he's going to show you how you apply a rub. All right. I'm going to let you work on that board and I'll move this out of our way. And when you apply your rub, be generous with it. I mean, you basically, what else are you going to use this for at home? So it won't hurt just to layer it on there. Put a good amount on it. Now you put that on both sides? Yes, sir. Both sides, all of it. Cover it all up the best you can. Okay. And and when, how, do you leave that on there for any length of time, or you, you can marinate can it, it right if away? you want, but it's not going to make a difference because it's a dry rub. Yeah. So no big deal. Yeah. Marinades need to sit a lot longer, but dry rubs you can you can put it on the same day and use it within a few minutes. Really. I see you're really laying that on there. If you're finding out that your rub has a little bit of a tendency to want to fall off, you can always use a little oil on top of the meat and then put your rub on and that'll make it stick a little bit better. So that's one of the things that you can do if you're having trouble with it. And a lot of it's going to depend on your ingredients. Some stick on, stick on better than others. Some of them have a tendency to want to fall off. Well, if they fall off a lot, put a little oil on it, then do it. Now he's putting it on a tray and we've kept it off of the pan itself. It helps at home for cleanup. It helps at home if you line this with a sheet of aluminum foil. That will make your cleanup even easier. We have people that will clean up for us, so we're not so worried about that here. Now he's going to line or cover that with aluminum foil, and we just use regular grade aluminum foil. It doesn't have to be heavy grade aluminum foil. And he's going to cover it all the way. Instead of poking holes in this, he's going to leave it tight because we want to seal as many of that, of the, many of those different flavors in there as absolutely possible. So that's why we don't poke holes in this and let it escape. Now I'm going to take this over, put it in our oven. And we'll let this cook for a while. Now, how fast is this going to take? Well, it's going to, that varies on a couple of things. It's going to vary on how big the roast was, what temperature you have your set your oven at, and all of those type of things. Now, setting that, let's talk a little bit about pork in general. One of the things about pork is that a lot of people are afraid of it. They think the minute you say pork, the first thing they think of is trichinosis. Well, that used to be the case when farmers slopped pigs and they were primarily done at home and then they were sent off to a butcher and that was the way we did pork. Well today pork isn't done the same way. The pork farmers today or pork producers today have a very regimented feed that they give to pork and it doesn't include anything that can cause trichinosis. So it's a very regimented diet. They don't, aren't big in fat anymore. As a matter of fact they're very lean. So we don't have the same problem with trichinosis that we used to have. One of the other things why people didn't like pork very much is they overcooked it. I mean, they just cooked that stuff until it was like shoe leather. 
Well, that's another thing that you don't have to do. It's not that much different than any other white meat. You want to get it done, but you don't want to cook it to death. If you can get pork to 155 degrees with an internal temperature, you're going to be in very good shape. There are people that will eat it less than that. I've have many times. I don't recommend it for if you if you don't want to, but at least 100. If you cook it to 155, you're not going to have any problems with any bacteria at all. All right. So another thing we can do then is make a barbecue sauce, right? Very simple to do. All right. Most most barbecue sauces are going to be tomato based. So if you got ketchup at home, you're pretty much set. Just start off with a cup of ketchup. That's a staple, ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> a little can of tomato paste just to thicken it up. And that's to keep it from getting that runny falling off. You want to have some thickness to it. It'll help caramelize. And then you can use honey. I've seen people use maple syrup. Basically, any just what your flavor is. And the more you do it, the more you'll learn that certain things makes other things a lot hotter than you want it. And I recommend if it gets too hot for you, if you got pineapple juice at home, that'll help cool it down for you. Don't add lemons. Lemon's going to just heat that up for you real bad. Yeah, that's one of the things about it. If you are making your own and you suddenly you taste it, you go, whoa, whoa, that's just a tad hotter than I want it to be. Well, if you've got either pineapple juice or even orange juice, you can add a little bit of that, and that kills off some of that heat that is inherent in barbecue sauce. And pretty much just like with the rub, this is going to be whatever you want to throw in it, just the taste. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. You got a little Worcestershire sauce there? Worcestershire, little... that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of soy sauce. All right. Just a little bit. And then you're going to go with as much garlic as you want. Garlic, everybody loves garlic. Oh, one of my favorites. I can't cook without garlic. Can't <laughs> I can't either. A little cocoa powder to help sweeten it up. Oh, that's an interesting uh, ingredient. A little curry powder. So they offset each other, but yet still add a slow burn it's, it's, to it. For anybody who can't do chemistry, this is the best time, man. Just hop right in that kitchen and don't hold anything back. And a little cayenne pepper. So a lot of the same ingredients we used on our rub, we can actually have double duty for here. A oh, lot yeah, of them just, are the same things. Just add it into your uh, uh, barbecue sauce when you're done with it, if you want. Okay. Then you're just going to want to take this over to the stove, put it on a low heat. One that works preferably. Yeah. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> All right. All right. You got it on a low heat, and now you have to stir that pretty often, don't you? Once it gets pretty warm, you're going to have to be watching it constantly, or you're going to burn on the sides and all that good stuff. Okay. If you want to take some vegetables, you can just chop up some vegetables. Now, you can use regular onions, or you can use ones from the garden, or whatever. Whatever you got around. Yeah. If you're growing your own onions in the backyard, one of the things I might want to mention about onions is that if you do grow your own onions in the backyard, or scallions, or whatever, and you are going to consume those, you want to make sure that you really wash those well. Wasn't too long ago that we all heard about a restaurant in Pennsylvania which made a whole bunch of people sick and I believe it even possibly killed a couple of people. And it all was uh, traced back to unwashed 
onions. So at home, I know we, you know, you know, you see people pull them right out of the garden and eat them, but you're still taking a risk. It is much better. It's much better to be safe than to be sorry. Wash them before you eat them. Okay, so you've got that going back there. And you just kind of let that, all those flavors come together. And if, even if you want to save this, just put it up in a jar, lock it away, keep it in the refrigerator, hold for a month or two. Okay. Just make sure you heat it up each time before you apply it to any meat. All right, so that we're going to, what do you want to apply that to? Maybe a pork chop? Sure. All right. All righty. I'll cut off a couple of pork chops here. Now you can cut your whole loin up into pork chops and if that has too much fat for you, well just trim a little bit off. On, I don't trim very, very much off of any of my meat because I like the flavor that the fat gives it. It keeps it moist and there's nothing worse than dry meat. Alright, so there's a couple. I'll let you, when those are ready, take over and get those going. And we've got a grill going back here so I'll let you maybe Barbecue a couple things. Excellent. All right. Now, one of the things I, I think I will mention is that you're probably going to wait until that's done. Put your meat on. Go ahead and let the meat start cooking on both sides before he adds his barbecue sauce. If you add it immediately, what's all that's going to happen there is you're going to burn it on your grill. You're going to make clean up a mess. And basically, it's going to leave some charred and burnt flavor behind. It's much better to cook your meat part of the way through and then add your barbecue sauce at the last minute. You'll still get that great barbecue flavor, but without all of the mess and cleanup that goes with it. All right, good job. I think I'll, uh, while we're waiting here, I think I'm gonna talk a little bit more about uh, uh, the letter that I got, and uh, a couple people asked for an extra, uh, something else we could maybe either do with pork or chicken. Well, let's start off with, since we're working on pork, why don't we just go ahead and do a glazed apricot pork? Sounds good. Those are good. And it's one of the things that if your kids are kind of picky, they'll usually, you'll usually find that these kind of things are pretty darn tasty and that they will eat this. You just don't tell them what it is. I found that to be the case always. Never tell your kids what it is. Just tell them to eat it. It's good. All right. Well, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go ahead and cut off a couple pork chops. And while he's working on those two, I'll go to work on these two. All right, let me get this out of the way here. Clean up a little bit. All right, got a couple of pork chops here. What I'm going to do is make sort of a sauce that can go on those. Now this isn't a barbecue sauce. This one is going to be sweet and it's going to be really good. So all you need to do with this at home is if you've got some apricot preserves, just regular old apricot preserve. Take a little of apricot preserve and put it in a bowl. You can use canned apricots, but the preserve has some extra sweetener in it. If you don't want that sweetener, use fresh apricots. Either one will work great. So put a little apricot in there. What may seem strange is I'm going to add some Russian dressing. Now, don't use Western-style dressing or French dressing. Use the Russian because it has the flavor profile that works really well with apricot, even though it may not seem like that. So I'm going to add a little bit of apricot dressing, or I mean a little bit of uh, Russian dressing in there. And last, this is so simple to make. 
If you happen to have some French onion soup, the dried French onion soup, this goes in there as well. These flavors, while they seem individually like they're not going to work, together they work great. So I'm just going to put a little bit of our French onion soup in here, and I kind of mix it up to make sure that I'm getting it all mixed up. And we use Knorr. There are several other brands out there. This is one that you can find at almost any grocery store. It's one of the best out there. It has a great flavor profile. You can keep a couple of these tucked away. It makes great French dip for pretzels or for a party. You can put that in with uh, some uh, sour cream. Man, that stuff is really good. Or you can even make a French uh, soup base out of it. So it's got several purposes. And I'm going to put a little bit of this in here. And just mix all this together. All right. Now, it's very simple, goes together very quickly. And of course, like any good chef, you should maybe taste it just a little. Oh, you're supposed to use a spoon. I knew that. You taste it to make sure. If it doesn't have a, a nice sweet flavor profile, add a little bit of more of your apricot dressing. This is perfect. All right, so what I'm going to do then is I'm going to take my two pork chops, and I'm going to put them on the pan over here and add just in a little bit of oil. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a smidge there. All right, I'm going to put these in here. And what we're going to do is we're going to let those cook just a little bit on each side. Now, I'm going to add just a smidgen of salt, smidgen meaning a little bit here. And I usually don't use a salt shaker. I just have an open bowl and I kind of put it on there. So I'm going to add that in there. And we're going to just let those kind of cook on each side. And when that's done, almost, what we're going to do at the very end is we're going to add in this over the top of this and just let it cook quickly. And that together with rice makes a terrific meal. So those are cooking away there and I'll just let those continue to cook. Away here a little bit. And while that's going on, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about our next um, dish that we're gonna make. We're gonna make what's called polo capri. Polo Capri is an Italian dish, but it's made with chicken. Now, we're moving a little bit away from pork here, but I did want to address the person who uh, wrote in about another Italian dish. Capri is a small island. It's located in the Bay of Naples, and it's where a lot of the rich and famous go. Well, they have their own eclectic little food there, and while I happened to be there one time, I was talking to a guy that owned a small cafe, and he shared this recipe with me. So I thought, well, what the heck, let's go ahead and put this on the show, and I think you're going to really enjoy this one. And again, your family's going to enjoy this one because it's really tasty. Actually, most Italian food is really tasty. All right, you can see I'm, what I'm doing here is I'm browning these up. Now, we don't cook in the restaurant industry, we don't cook with thermometers. We're pretty competent in doing it over and over and over and over until we've got a pretty good idea of what those temperatures are by feel. If you're uncomfortable with that, you can always take a thermometer and stick it into the meat to make sure that it's at the temperature you want it to be, somewhere around 155. 
But when you put this thermometer in the meat, make sure that you don't stick it all the way through because what you're going to be measuring then is the pan temperature. Well, that's going to be pretty hot, about 1,200 degrees. So you want to make sure that you just put it down to about the middle of the meat and watch your temperature. When it gets to 155, you're just about done. All right. Now, these are getting pretty close. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to turn this down on a very low heat. And again, I do not want to overcook these. I don't want to make these to the point where they're dry. So once they get to about this point here, I'm just going to spoon a little of my apricot mix right on the top of these things. And I'm just going to let those finish off on a very low temperature. And don't, don't be afraid to be generous with this. This is also something that you can add more to just before it goes out if you want to do that. So I'm just going to let that cook down there a little bit. And when this is ready, we'll go ahead and we'll put this on a plate, add some rice to it, you got a quick meal. It smells good. It is good. That stuff, it gives a great aroma in the house. People come in, they'll take a big smell and they'll go, whoa, what's for dinner? Kind of thing that you want to have happen. All right, once that's done, if you can hand me a plate there. Thank you, Chris. You're All you have to do is pretty much put it on the plate. Add a little bit of more sauce to it if you need to. You don't want to. You don't want to overdo the sauce. You want it to complement it. You don't want it to cover up the pork. Something like that. Add that with some rice, a vegetable, and you've got a great meal. And that whole thing took just a few minutes. You can have this meal ready in 10, 15 minutes at the outside. And what do we have for cleanup? Well, again, we have a pan and the container I made the sauce in. And that's all you have for cleanup. Pretty doggone easy. Ouch. Be careful, it's hot. That hurt. <laughs> okay. Now, you're adding... I'm adding the barbecue sauce to the pork that we'd put in the oven. All right. Slice it up kind of thin. Just lather it up a little bit. Oh, that looks great. Go ahead and bake it off again for another four or five minutes. All right. I'll put that in the oven. And that'll be good to go. Okay. We have our oven set at about 300 degrees. You can cook it. If you need to cook it faster, you can do that. The one thing that you'll have to remember, the higher the temperature that your oven is, the less yield or the amount of finished product you're going to get. And it's going to get tougher because what the way both pork and beef cook is by what's called protein coagulation. That means that the protein shrinks. And as it shrinks, it gives up its moisture and it gets tougher and tougher. So the higher the temperature, the quicker it will shrink and the tougher it's going to be. So we usually try to cook somewhere around 300 degrees to keep it nice and moist. All right. Now, I think uh, while we've got a quick uh, moment here, uh, I'm going to address a couple of uh, letters that we uh, received this week. And uh, one of them was about, uh, it says, I love pasta and so does my entire family. What they wanted to know was how much do I put in to feed my family? How much pasta do I put? It's really simple. You can assume, or what's going to happen is about two and a half times 
the amount that you put in is what's going to come out. So if I put in one ounce, two and a half is going to come out. So you can kind of use that as your base figure. Well, that still doesn't help me. I've got a husband at home, there's me, I've got a kid. How much do I need to put in? Well, let me give you some general guidelines. Typically, for men, we usually put in about four ounces of dry pasta. When that comes out, they're going to have roughly 10 ounces of cooked pasta. That's just the pasta before you add the sauce. And you're going to add six to eight ounces of sauce. And so you've got very close to a pound or a little bit over of pasta and, and sauce. That's a lot of food. And because pasta has a tendency to swell, it's going to fill you up pretty much. Well, okay, well, what if we got women involved? Well, typically women are more weight conscious than men. And so they tend to eat smaller portions. And typically we use about three ounces as our guide. So we put in three ounces for women, four ounces for men. Kids, we put in roughly two ounces. Because that's still going to give them five ounces cooked with three or four ounces of sauce. That's a, that's a lot for a small kid. I have teenage son at home. How much do I put in? You don't have enough. Go out and buy some more pasta. Because I'm telling you, they can consume whatever you could put in there. But generally, those are the guidelines that we use when we're trying to figure out how much pasta do we need to cook up for the upcoming day. How are you doing back here, Chris? Pork chops are ready to come off, Marshall. All right. Ooh, those look pretty tasty. And I notice you put your sauce on very close to the end. Nothing better than burnt barbecue sauce. Oh, man. All right. Boy, that looks great. There's not a whole lot of difference between those, but the flavor profile is pronounced. They definitely taste nothing like that. All right, my other letter I got in this week, it said, Dear Sir, okay, uh, I caught your cooking show on the Parkland, Parkland channel last night, and I have a question about one of the recipes. And what they're asking here is, where can I find these recipes? You said that you went through them, but they were fairly quick. And I wasn't able to copy it all down. I missed part of it. How can I get these recipes? We have a website at Parkland. And they will put that up on the screen at the end of the show, and it will tell you where you can go to get and download all of these recipes. Because I realize that it's very difficult at times to find that pen, find that paper, go through everything, get it. I'm running too fast, I'm talking quick, and you're trying to write all of this down. So we are going to have a website where you can both write in with your questions. If you don't want to mail them in, if you want to mail them in, you can mail them in to me, Marshall Huffman, Program Director. Parkland College, 2400 West Bradley, B121, that's my office, and the zip code is 61821. So if you wanted to write in, you can do it that way. All right, Chris is getting us a barbecue sandwich here. Ah, that looks great. Your family will snarf that right down. I'm telling you, there won't be left. Keep your fingers out of the way when you serve that. One of the things that people often ask, well, what sides do I serve with these? And we're going to do a whole show on just sides. But for something like these two, rice goes very well. Or if you're doing the barbecue pork chop, coleslaw. Potato salad. Potato salad goes great with a sandwich, too. So either one of those are great sides. You can buy them pre-made. Mom doesn't have time to make them. Or dad doesn't have time <laughs> to make those things. It's not like I cook around the house, uh, but mom or dad can make can stop and buy those if you find some place that has really good coleslaw. Or we'll do a show on how to make your own coleslaw, how to make your own potato salad quick, quick, and with very little cleanup. And keep in mind, as always, 
these have to taste good. Your family has to enjoy them. The cleanup has to be easy on the person in the kitchen. Our cleanup today has been a minimum, uh, has been a maximum of a couple pans, everything. And all of these came out in less than 15 minutes or so from the time we started to the time they're ready to serve. You can also par-cook uh, pork. Par-cook is a term we use in the restaurant industry, which basically means that you can cook it parsh partially, part of the way, par-cook, part of the way. How much do I cook it? Well, you could cook pork to about 110 degrees or so, wrap it up, put it in the refrigerator, and then the next day bring it out, put your rub, or you can do it with a rub on, add some more rub if you want to, put it back in your oven, and it will cook off when it gets to 155, probably in 10, 20 minutes at the absolute outside. So that is uh, our show for today. We hope you enjoyed it. And again, if you need to get in contact with us, check out our website. You can download the recipes. And I think we've done it. How about you? Are you hungry? I'm ready to eat. Which one are you getting? They're all mine. I was afraid you were going to say that. All right. Well, can I borrow just one of them? All right. Okay. All right. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again in the next show. Thanks.